Well, Central, Merry Christmas. Yeah. I mean, come on. The snow's falling. You all made it here. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Um, if, you, if you have never been to Central or you're new to Central or Christmas is a time that you don the doors of a church you don't normally, whatever the case might be, we're just really sincerely glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you for coming and being with us here this evening. My name is Matt. Uh, I'm one of your pastors. And um, I already believe that, that this 2015 Christmas is really going to go down in the history books as that one where we tried to figure out what the letter U meant, right? Like, so good. So, so good. Um, so really glad you're here, Pastor Chris. I don't know how you do your job, but I'm glad that you do your job. And we love you. So great. Oh my goodness, so great. There's this, this man I really appreciate. He's a, a preacher down in the States. Big man, big African-American man named Vadi Bauckham. Vadi Bauckham and his wife were married pretty young as they were going through college. And pretty quickly after that, they had a child. And then I think two, three years later, they had another child. One was a boy, one was a girl. And there they were. And, and people looked at them and said, you have the perfect family. One boy, one girl. Look at the four of you. You are the perfect family. And they heard that so often and believed that so much that they said, yeah, you know what? I think we're done. I think we're done with... With, with, um, with, with having more kids, and so these, these children uh, grew. But as they grew, when, when their children were 14 and 11, they, they started to scratch their heads a little bit and be like, I don't know, you know, are, are we done? We don't feel like we're done. And so they decided at this stage in the game, when, you know, you're six years, seven years away from empty nesting, like you're working your way to that, they decided let's adopt some kids. So they went to an adoption agency nearby, and they said, hi there, um, we're the Bauckhams and we would like to adopt some children. And the, the individual working there literally got up, went to their supervisor. In disbel- they were in disbelief. The reason was is because in this area, there weren't a lot of, of African-American families that were looking to adopt. And they had been looking for, longing for a couple, a family to come that could take on some children. And so they went through the adoption process, and it went quickly. And they, were, uh, they adopted a child. They went through the process again, adopted another child. From that point on, things started to change with the adoption agency. Rather than go through a process, the adoption agency would simply call and say, will you take another? Will you take another? Will you take another? And they decided they adopted seven more children. Now, Vadi and his wife are, are pushing 50 now, and their youngest is nearly two. And here's what he says when people would push back a little bit and be like, really? Like, how are you doing that? Listen to what he said. What else are we going to do? What else could be more important than what we're doing right now? Um, anybody watch Netflix? We have a Netflixaholics group meet here on Wednesday nights. No, we don't. We don't. We probably should, but we don't. My, my wife Emily and I watched a movie on Netflix called The Dropbox. The Dropbox is about a pastor and his wife in Seoul, Korea, who realized, recognized that there were just individuals in that city who would leave their, their baby um, out in the cold. They would abandon their child. And and so they, they decided to build a, a drop box. Pastor Lee built a drop box in their church 
house area, and whenever someone would leave a baby in this drop box, a bell would go off, and he could get that child, that, that baby, so it could be warm and fed, and they would try and find that baby a home. Um, I mean, we're talking hundreds of babies have gone through this drop box, many of them with um, severe disabilities. They have a, a son of their own with a lot of um, disabilities, and yet they began to adopt more and more of these children into their own family um, ha- who had these disabilities. And, and it just looked like such a challenge. And he's an older man, but he said towards the end of the movie something that just sticks, something so poignant. He said, the reason I decided to become their father is because God has adopted me. You may be wondering, what in the world? We're here for Christmas Eve. You know, we're, Where is this all going? Well, there's this passage in Galatians, this letter in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul to a church in Galatia. And he wrote them this. Here's what it says in chapter 4, verse 4. It says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. If I, can just break, if I can just summarize that really, really quickly, God sent his son Jesus so that we could become his kids. God sent Jesus at Christmas, what we're celebrating here, so that we could be adopted as his sons. Now, listen, this passage is just chock full of of great theology, great study about God and what he's doing. This first phrase, it says, when the fullness of time had come. We spent this Advent season talking about longings for Jesus, longing for him. In the Garden of Eden, when the fall took place, judgment was given to people who were sinners. But as that came in, God was already, there was just a shadow of hope, a shadow of the gospel. Later on in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 12, God comes along, um, approaches this man named Abraham, not because Abraham's great, but because God's great. And God's gracious and decided he would bless Abraham, bless this old man who had no kids with kids, with land, with a, this, this promise to him that, that they would actually become a nation and would bless the nations, would bless the world through him. And, and so there was this longing and this trace that someone would come from Abraham. And then God had this special people of Israel and he gave them his law so that they could understand what it meant to follow God and what that should look like. And, and they asked for a king and so God gave them a king. And yet even in that kingship, it just so fell short. There was another king that was to come. The king of kings, Jesus, and he would come. And then in the, like really the, the last half of the Old Testament of the Bible, there's all these prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, and Amos, and Micah, and on and on. Over 300 prophecies about this one who would come, this Messiah. And there was this longing and this angst and desire that somebody would come to our rescue. And so when the fullness of time had come, it meant that God had sovereignly orchestrated an appointment for his son to come. So theologically, it was the right time. Not only that, it was culturally and politically the right time. See, the Greek language was, was sort of taking over the world. Um, in every region, there seemed to be people who could speak Greek, much like English in our world today. It's, it's just very pervasive. It's through, you can find it all over the globe, people who speak English. And so Greek was very much doing that at the time. So culturally, that was helpful so that the gospel could go out and people could understand the news about Jesus. 
not only that, um, politically, Rome, the Roman Empire, had subdued and conquered nations all around them. Really, the, the, the world was a Roman world, and everywhere they conquered and subdued, they made these roadways for trade and for travel. And so the gospel could go, really for the first time, in a way that it never could have before. In so many ways, the fullness of time had come says that God sent forth his son born of a woman. Pastor Chris picked up on that briefly. Um, that's a really important phrase. You see, it, it doesn't say God created a son and sent him. It says God sent forth his son. In so many places in scripture, we discover that Jesus has always eternally been with the father. But at the right time, at the fullness of time, when that time had come, he sent forth his eternal son, Jesus, God's son, to be born of a woman, God in the flesh, God among us. I mean, this happens over and over again, like in John chapter 12 or John chapter 14, Jesus says things like, whoever sees me sees the one who sent me. Whoever sees me sees the Father. Jesus is very much God, yet in the flesh. So in places in the Old Testament, there's these things called theophanies. There's a fun word. Throw it out at your next dinner party. Theophany. And a theophany is an Old Testament um, encounter with God. You know what happened over and over again in the Old Testament when people would have an encounter with God? They would fall on their face and freak out. Be terrified. Even when angels who just were around the glory of God showed up, people were in fear, they trembled, and they fell to the ground. This man named Moses in, in the Old Testament, he went up a mountain to spend time with God, and God cloud, um, shrouded himself in a cloud. Or... Um, he, he's, Moses asked to see his glory, and, 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 um, and so God said, I will pass by you, and, and either you can see where I just was, or at best, you can see my back. <laughs> but Moses spent time, and, and, and the best he could have was God shrouded. But even then, when Moses came down the mountain, his face was beaming so much that people couldn't look at the face of Moses, who wasn't even looking at the face of God, but God veiled. Can you see the glory? Can you see the power in God? So what's staggering is that though we cannot approach God, God, who's fully God, took on flesh so he could also be fully man and dwell among us. The, this, the little letter towards the end of the Bible in 1 John, it begins this way by, by saying, we've touched this, this eternal one. We've seen this eternal one. We've heard from this eternal one. Jesus came in the flesh so that we could know God. But it gets better than that. Not just know God. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. I'm going to be overly simplistic about that little line. These people under the law and Jesus being under the law and redeeming those who were under the law. What does that mean? Well, Ultimately, what the law in the Old Testament did was it was sort of the standard that God had so that people could know what he expected. But what, what the law actually revealed was that nobody can meet it. But we, we all need to know these laws so that we know that we're lawbreakers. I mean, I don't know I'm speeding until I see signs periodically that say 50, and when I look down and see 80, I realize, uh-oh, I'm a lawbreaker, Right? Another thing about the law that's really interesting is you can keep all kinds of laws, but when you murder somebody, 
you don't really talk about that person being a lawkeeper. You say that person broke the law and is a criminal, is a murderer. They may have only missed the law in one category, but miss it in one. You've missed it in all. And so what the law did in the Old Testament was actually reveal we need rescue. We need saving. We can't do this on our own. And that's what the Christian faith really says. Every other religion in the world will essentially say this, work to get God. Christianity is the only faith that says, by grace, you get God. And you don't have to work for him. You just live in joyful response for him giving you his grace. He was born under the law and met it. He didn't break it. He fulfilled it perfectly so that he could redeem those of us under the law. Jesus was born under the law, followed the law perfectly, and died sacrificially so that we could receive his record in exchange for ours. That's why the cross matters so much to Christians. See, at the cross is where this great exchange takes place. We exchange our sin, our transgressions, where we've missed it according to the law of God, where we fall short and sin, we exchange that at the cross for Jesus and his perfection. For Jesus, where he nailed it and we didn't. It's called the great exchange. We give him our sin at the foot of the cross. He gives us his righteousness. He redeems us. The cross is a staggering thing. Here's something interesting that I've been learning lately. It comes with this last line that says that Jesus was born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Now, this isn't just a chauvinistic passage. It's being like, it's only for the sons. But it is speaking contextually. It is speaking culturally. Look at Prince William. Who's the heir to the throne? The oldest male child. So that's the same kind of context that this was written in. So who's, who's the heir of God the Father? Well, it's God the Son. But the reason that Jesus came was that so we could have adoption as sons. What's really interesting is that in Galatians chapter 3, just the chapter before this, it says, if you're in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. If you have Jesus, those barriers are broken down. And it's staggering. So what that means is male, female, slave, free, whatever your ethnicity, whatever it might be, if you're in Jesus, you get the inheritance of a son. So ladies, give your life to Jesus. You're a son of God. Aren't you pumped about that? Clearly you are. Meaning that full inheritance is yours. Men, that full inheritance is yours. Everyone through Jesus' coming, receives sonship. Now, J.I. Packer wrote this great book. We're almost done, kids. You're nailing it. You're doing great. J.I. Packer wrote this phenomenal book called Knowing God, and he talks about these two theological terms, justification and adoption. They're, They're two doctrines. Justification means that before God, the judge, we are made right according to the righteousness of Christ. Meaning what Jesus accomplishes for us when we give our lives to Jesus, we are justified. Meaning that God, the judge, looks upon us and spares us. Looks upon us 
and says that we are made right before God. That's what the doctrine of justification does. So here's what J.I. Packer says about justification and adoption. I want you to listen close. The doctrine of justification makes us right before God the judge. But in the doctrine of adoption, we are loved by God the Father. To be right with God the judge is a great thing, and we need it. But to be loved and cared for by God the Father is greater. Jesus came so that we could be God's children. Eternal God the Son became a child so that we could be his children. That's Christmas. So we could be adopted into his family. There's a there's a couple here who have uh, grown children. Emily and I and the boys went over to their place one day and we were sitting and chatting with them. One of their children they adopted. And they were telling us a little story about when he was five, their adopted son. And he was out playing with friends. And the friends started to tease him. You're adopted. You're adopted. And he came back in. And, 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 they, and he, he told his mom the story. And in her words, her uh, trauma antennae came up. She's thinking, oh no, what's this going to do to my son? That's what she's thinking. But what she says is, okay, well, they said, you're adopted. What did you say? And her son looked up at him and said, I said, so? (laughs) So? And she went on to say, the reason is because we always told him he was adopted. But we told him what that means. Chris, you are a part of our family. We adopted you. You're ours. You're in this family, and we love you. Adoption was no big thing. He was secure. He knew whose he was. He was a part of that family. No one was taking that. That word had no hold on him. Why? Because he was adopted by parents who loved him and gave him a home, and nothing was snatching that. When the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we could receive adoption as sons. Is that not amazing? David Platt, a pastor and an author, told a little bit about his, um, his own story of adopting. He says, he wrote, The other day I was playing with my son, whom we adopted from Kazakhstan, and his favorite question now is why? Anybody in that phase? It's the kind of phase that makes you want to bang your head on things. But he's in that phase. And his favorite question now is why? And when I told him I loved him, he asked, why? I said, because you're my son. And of course he asked, why? How do you answer that, he went on. Out of all the children in all the world, why is he my son. I started thinking about all the factors that had come together from the timing to the qualifications to the ups and the downs and the days my wife and I wondered if we could do this. I felt the tears well up, though my son didn't even know what was going on and probably sorry that he asked why at this point. And I looked at this precious little boy and I said, because we wanted you, buddy, and we came to get you. That's why you're my son. He goes on to say, in a much greater way, you and I have a God who says, I love you. And when we ask 
Why, God? He answers, because you're my son. But why, we ask? Because I wanted you, he says, and I came to get you. The story of Christmas is that God the Son became a child so that we could be adopted as the children of Almighty God who says, everything that's mine is yours. You're in this family for keeps by way of my son. Do you know Jesus? That's the offer of Christmas. Jesus came as a child so that he could die sacrificially, rise from the dead and deal with your sin and deal with your death issue. Both of those are conquered in Jesus. He came to redeem you. He came because he loves you. He condescended from the heights of heaven to dirty manger and lived and was despised and was rejected and was crucified, but now is glorified and offers you the inheritance of our very God to his kids. If you haven't received that, I just encourage you, keep your heart to Jesus. And if you have, my prayer is that you would dwell on this phenomenal promise. Jesus came so you could be his. That's Christmas. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, thank you for coming to save. Thank you for sending your son to be born so that we could be born again. Thank you for coming to rescue us, Lord. Look, I'm the preacher here, and I need saving. I'm a sinner that's saved by grace, and Lord, so where I miss, Jesus has paid the penalty for that, and I just heap my dependence on him, and I say thank you, Jesus. So tonight, as snow falls, as family gather, as we gather as a church and as a community, Lord, we say thank you for Christmas. Thank you for sending Jesus to be born so that we could be born again. Thank you, Jesus, for becoming a child so we could become the children of God. Central, everybody, Merry Christmas. I love you. Have a wonderful Christmas time. We're going to close with a couple more songs. I invite you to get your candles out.